there is a story, perhaps apocryphal, that when Perry Maxwell designed world-renowned prairie dunes, he disappeared into the 480 acres of central Kansas sand dunes and scrub with only a sack of apples re-emerging much later to pronounce. There are 118 holes of golf here. All I have to do is eliminate 100. Yet the story shows Maxwell's appetite for exploration, his enormous imagination, and inspired use of landforms and varied terrain, all qualities that helped him transform Oklahoma hills and... Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the You're Still Out Golf Podcast. This is part of our Miles of Maxwell series. Obviously, Miles of Maxwell brought to you by golf course architect Colton Craig, whose book of the same name will be available soon. Encourage you to go back and seek out the original four miles of Maxwell podcasts uh, over an episode range 86 to 92, and again feature legendary Maxwell designs, Dornick Hills, Twin Hills, Hillcrest, and Southern Hills. Real treat for you today: the episode features Maxwell masterpiece Prairie Dunes Country Club, uh, designed by Mr. Maxwell in 1937. A course, and I will never forget this, that uh, former Oklahoma State head coach Mike McGraw declared every bit as good as Augusta National. Yes, that one. Uh, PD, as the locals call it, ranks 26th in the world top 100. And joining us to talk all things Perry Dunes and Perry Maxwell is the head professional at Perry Dunes, Mr. John Lanham. John, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Awesome. Thank you. Well, you know, I, I know you're a little bit nervous. First ever podcast appearance. You know, we, we've had a full prep session. We've had a rehearsal. We would have had lots of, uh, you know, undergirding to help you here if I'd have known that. But don't worry. This is an easy one, especially when we're talking about the uh, late, great Perry Maxwell. But before we get into Mr. Maxwell, got to ask you, I noticed when I was doing my research, you've been here for 20 years. Is that right? Yep, 21st year here at Prairie Dunes. 21st year. Tell our listeners about your route, right, to Prairie Dunes and, and what you feel like has given you that longevity with the club. Yep, so I was a uh, baseball player by trade. Grew up, uh, thought baseball would be my future. Uh, had a few injuries and um, ended up going to uh, Methodist University, which is in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Okay. And my brother was a golfer at Chapel Hill, and um, he said you should try the professional golf management program at, at Methodist. And I, c- I couldn't really see myself sitting in an office. Right, right. Which I do a lot of now. It anyway, <laughs> turns out. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just I kind of fell in love with golf and didn't play a lot growing up. Didn't do the, the junior golf route. Okay. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, just got hooked on it. And uh, I love the business side of it. I love uh, meeting with meeting new people relationships especially the the private um golf side of it you know where you right get to, you really get to know people and and forge friendships and, and relationships um so i graduated from there and i started out as an assistant at el paso country club oh wow okay yep um legend bill eschenbrenner was his name um awesome awesome pro he's in he was uh golf professional of the year one year and uh also there, I met a gentleman named Cameron Doan. Who okay. is, um, he was an assistant there as well. Uh, Bill, Bill ended up retiring, and Cameron took over. Um, so he, he's, he was my mentor there. He, he actually went from there to Preston Trail. Okay, yeah, in Dallas, right? Yep, 
and so I, I went with him to, to Preston Trail, and um, they had the PGA career links search, and, and I hit on that, and next thing you know, I'm here for 21 years. That's wild. That is absolutely wild. So 21 years ago, let's see, that would have been uh, 2002-ish? Yeah, end of 02. Okay, and so somewhere in there, U.S. Women's Open happens. We're going to get into the event a little bit a few years later, U.S. Senior uh, we're going to talk a lot about uh, the event. In fact, I'm curious to hear kind of what the members think is their kind of crowning achievement from an event standpoint. Um, but very cool that kind of longevity, man. El Paso, you know, uh, back in back in the early 2000s, that was probably quite a place to be. You know, it was. We had um, well, Rich Beam and I were assistants there for three years. Okay. Um, Paul Stankowski was a tour player. Was was a member there. JP Hayes, tour winner. Wow. Um, Rick Todd was the golf coach. I mean, they, they, the Friday game there, you better, yeah. you better bring your game. So <laughs> bring your game and bring your wallet. What are the two? Exactly. So that, it was a great, it was a great starting spot for me. Um, you know, just getting into the, into the business. Awesome. Well, it'll be interesting to kind of hear your take as somebody who, you know, North Carolina, El Paso, and then finding yourself at a, at, at a Maxwell Designs. So let's get into a little bit of the, the history really of the club. It's a fascinating one. And, you know, it's pretty well documented, I would say at this point, um, certainly in the age of social media and all the podcasts that are out there. But a lot of our listeners may, uh, may not know the story, I guess, of how the property, you know, came to be with the Carey family, who was the kind of the original owners and a very historic family here in Hutchinson. Uh, but talk about how that property came to be with the family and ultimately why did they decide to go down the path of, of building a golf course and club and, and ultimately when, it all, when did all that happen? Yeah, so the Carey family, um, the, the Carey Salt Company has been here for, for many years and um, they, they commissioned Perry Maxwell to do a nine-hole golf course. Okay. And he did a nine-hole golf course. They had a house. Uh, it was called Wind Dunes. There was one house on the golf course. It was it was there for their entertainment, they, to entertain uh, customers. Yeah, I mean, basically just it was for their enjoyment. Yeah, it's amazing. They built it really for you know their family, right? And from the research I've done, they you know they they had gone over to Scotland uh, in the pre- the preceding years, and they're like, wow, this reminds me a lot of uh, you know where we live, which is ironic, you know, considering that's in the uh, the middle of Kansas. So 1937, as you mentioned, course is built by Perry Maxwell, and it seems to me that the Carey family may may have not truly realized what they had, just building it for themselves, and uh, it it uh, becomes pretty well known pretty fast. Does it, you know he he said he had 118 holes that he just had to get rid of 100 of them, right? And you know it, it's amazing when when people are coming to visit here, they'll land in Wichita, drive over, and they're about five miles from here. They'll be like, I, I had no idea it was going to look like this because it, it's it's typical Midwest farm ground, um, wheat fields, corn fields, and then as you get in closer to Hutchinson, that the terrain just really changes. Yeah, it's it's very stark. I would say is a good way to put it because you're right. When you're uh, literally five miles away, it's like did I did I make a wrong turn? There's no way my GPS is telling me I'm less than five miles. There's absolutely no way. And then you turn down this road, and it's like wow. I am in the middle of Ireland uh, with these massive, uh, massive sand dunes. So you, you just said that it started as, as nine holes, right? Um, as I understand it, he, he being Mr. Maxwell, did an 18-hole routing for the carries 
at the time. Do you, do we have any insight on, on why at that time they decided to quote unquote, just do nine? Was it just a matter of, you know, this is just for us. We don't need more than that. Um, interesting that, you know, you go from 118 holes that he says are out here to, uh, to doing just the original nine. Any, any insight into that? Um, I, I, I've asked some folks and no one really knows if it was financial or time time or what, but 20 years later, his son press takes Perry's designs and, and, and carves out his routing of, of the other nine, how they, they kind of interweave is really interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. That's actually the next thing on my list. I want to deep, um, go fairly deep into that. If, if I, if I remember right from my history, uh, the, the original nine holes here at PD are what is now the first, second, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, mostly the seventeenth, and then eighteen were the original nine holes. Correct. You said it well. You would if you show up here for the first time and you don't know that, you would certainly assume that the entire eighteen has been here the whole time. The way that it just seamlessly flows, um, you know, from what is two green up to three T box, which was not part of the original kind of talk about that and um, kind of marvel at that a bit. Yeah. Um, I, I talked to, to Mr. Jake Carey, who, um, who passed, I, I want to say about 2004. Okay. And he, he said there was an original design that Perry had It's called the three, four, five loop. He, it, it would go from what is now three T box. Okay. Hole three would go up to four green. Okay. Hole four was a downhill part three that went kind of northwest, uh, about 200 yards. And then the fifth hole would be a dogleg right par five. And, and if, you, if you go out there and you look at the third hole, going up to the fourth green, it, it, it plays for a perfect run-up shot there. Yeah. Um, all, all of our par threes are uphill. Yep. And his design was to was to take the fourth hole and have it be a downhill par par three. Wow. But what happened was they they couldn't get drainage back where that fourth green is. And so Mr. Carey, you know, I, I sat out there with him on two one time and and he was talking about, you know, the original design of this and no one had the plans, but that was that was kind of the original design, and as you look at the fifth hole, it sets up perfect off the aiming bunker off the left hand side. Yep. I mean that that green isn't really made for a five iron coming into it. It's, <laughs> it's designed more for a, a shorter iron. Oh yeah. But um, it, it was really interesting to hear to hear his take on that. And then we had in about two thousand and eight, Coor Crenshaw were here. They actually looked at that land back there, and we had we had about eight inches of rain and. And you could kind of see that area just doesn't, it doesn't want to drain well. Yeah, drainage, drainage, drainage. The more I study golf course architecture or I hear golf course architects on other podcasts, um, it seems like they uh, use those words more than anything and how they're laying things out. And uh, it can get you into a lot of trouble if you ignore the pain points on drainage. Um, yeah, so press comes back in and really, I think, given the given the nature of the land i think still that nine holes that he designed is probably at the top of his list um of most acclaimed uh designs even though he went on to have a 
a very nice career, both doing kind of co-sanctioned work, if you will, with his dad, but then even after his dad's passing in 1952. Very, very cool. It kind of gives me, uh, what, what I will say, one of my um, bucket list items is to, I've never, even though I've been up here and played a couple of times and felt very fortunate to be a guest here, playing that original nine in that sequence is definitely on my, definitely on my bucket list. Uh, this will be about our fourth year we, we have. It's called the 1937. It's the original nine tournament. We play the loop twice. Kind of the only thing that is a little bit different is hole 17 we play as a, uh, it's, it's a par five, but it's from 11 tee box. I thought that when I saw that original routing that um, the tee box is really the only thing different in the current yes. setup versus how Perry laid it out. Because, yeah, after you got off 10 green, you kind of took an immediate right and you headed back south towards 17. It was a little bit more of a dog, almost like a dog leg, wasn't it? It, it was a dog leg. Okay. Right, yeah. yeah. Very cool. And very cool to, like, unpack this stuff. This is the kind of stuff that certainly the folks that are into this series uh, get into when we talk about Mr. Maxwell. Let me ask you this, John. What, what do you feel is something here at prairie dunes that people should really know you feel like they should really know about prairie dunes that only the most kind of ardent historians or club insiders know about prairie dunes not not any state secrets by any means but kind of a a cool morsel if you will okay apologize i don't know exactly the event or or the date but um there's there was a rule in the usga handbook about ball in a yucca a ball being in uh, <laughs> suspended above ground in a yucca. And now maybe you're going to do this, but we have to explain to most of our listeners what a yucca is. Yep. So it is our, <laughs> it, is, it is the club logo. It's a, it's a flower that blooms usually right around our member guest, which is the first week of June. It's a, it's a really beautiful uh, uh, white, white puffy flower that blooms up out of a nasty uh, plant <laughs> that eats golf balls basically. Yep. Um, yeah, so, so a ball, you know, if, if the yucca is in the bunker, but the ball is suspended above ground in the, in the bunker, the, the, uh, margin of the hazard extends down, but not up. So, uh, it, it was an, it, it was a rule from, I, I want to say, um, the Curtis cup when, when they had it here. Um, but yeah, pretty cool that they invented a rule. For I mean, prairie. literally a rule about prairie dunes in the USGA handbook that doesn't exist for any place else but prairie dunes. Yes. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, well, kind of on the on the Perry Maxwell front, looping back, you know, obviously you've been here for 20 years, and so I, I assume regardless of how much of an appreciation you had coming into this job for Perry Maxwell, I assume that has been uh, supercharged being here. So what is your kind of favorite favorite thing or favorite story about Perry Maxwell or a Perry Maxwell course? I suppose it didn't have to be about Prairie Dunes, but um, just give us a kind of your Maxwell take or um, favorite thing about him. Um, for me, I think it's just the way that he does, um, you know, he uses the the natural terrain. He uses, there was a couple of dunes here. He, he carved around them. I mean, his vision for, for seeing what a green could be and, and, and really not moving that much land and, right. and, and contouring it. Um, it. It's amazing. I've taught Tom Doak's been here. Um, Coor, Mr. Coor, Mr. Crenshaw, uh, you know, just they'll, they'll stand on a tee box and just look out and, and what those guys see. I have no idea, but they just <laughs> stare at it for like 10 minutes. And, and it's like, they're trying to see what Perry saw when it was a blank slate. Right. And um, it, it's just, it's, it's really cool to be around those guys and, and see, uh, 
you know, what they take from here, take it to Sand Hills, take it to, to all, the, all, all the different spots that they go design. And, and you hear a lot of them say their inspiration was Prairie Dunes. Yeah. And for Perry to do that with a, with a horse and a, and a plow is, is really remarkable. It is remarkable. And that is very cool to hear that the Dokes and the Cora Crenshaws of the world take inspiration from Prairie Dunes to go and get to do what they do, which is generally, in their case, on really great sites, right? I, I'm, I'm kind of, it strikes me that Mr. Maxwell, again, 1937, right, was the year that he that we opened here. Um, you know, he was building that in the preceding year or so. It was a nice magic elixir for him because in, at that point, he had been designing, building golf courses since uh, 1919, uh, really even as far back as 1914, uh, the original four hill, uh, holes at Dornick Hills. But it's nice that he encountered his greatest piece of property, that one of the greatest pieces of properties that he ever got to work on when he was also kind of at the height, you know, of his powers, so to speak. But also interesting that it happens in the middle of the Great Depression. Just very fascinating. And I don't know if you would agree with that or not, that uh, the intersection of the amazing piece of land here combined with his um, expertise at that point. For sure. All right. Well, this next question could be a tough one. I will say we, as listeners, talking to the head professional at Prairie Dunes, know what your favorite Maxwell course is. I think that's pretty safe, right? Prairie Dunes. Prairie Dunes. Okay, thank you. Just just confirming. If you just said something different, we might not have been released this in Hutchinson. That said, do you have a second favorite Maxwell course? And if so, where and what is it? Every year we play a inner club with Southern Hills and, and Colonial and the pros and 15 members. It's a Ryder Cup, Ryder Cup format. And wow. So we hosted it last year. We go to Colonial. The next year we go to Southern Hills. Each, each time I go to Southern Hills, I'm like, oh, yep, I, I like this one better. And I go to Colonial and, oh, man, Colonial is really good. I, I think there's things I like about both of them. I mean, you look at the greens at, at Southern Hills you know, they're, they're as tough as it gets. And you, and you look at the way you have to shape the ball at Colonial. I, I would say those are my two kind of 1A, 1B. 1A, 1B. Yeah. I, um, I, I like facets of both of them. Yeah. Well, and again, a couple of places that just like Prairie Dunes, Mr. Maxwell was able to build and complete during, again, the height of his powers on, on really interesting terrain. It'd be interesting to see what uh, what Gil does with, uh, Gil Hans does with Colonial no here question. over the next couple of years. You took words right out of my mouth here on events. I'm going to go a slightly different way than club events, although I am going to get there. What what would the most seasoned members of PD or certainly the staff um, say is the kind of the greatest event that Prairie Dunes uh, has ever ever put <clears throat> forth on a, on a championship level? And feel free to leave some, some honorable mentions on the cutting room floor. Um, I, I've heard the Curtis Cup was was awesome. Um, and when was that? And women, that would be the women's version of the Ryder Cup? Is that uh, right? Or women's version of the Walker Cup. Excuse Walker me. Cup. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So what year was the Curtis Cup again? Uh, 1986. 86. Okay. Big year for golf. Big year for golf. 86. <laughs> and so kind of from what you've heard about that experience, yeah. what, what kind of made that the, the creme de la creme? You know, you had, the, you had the best women amateur golfers. And I just, from everything I've heard, it was a, it was a fantastic event. Um, I've been here for the uh, 2006 Senior Open which was, which was awesome to be a part of. And that 2014 NCAA. Yeah. 
course record is 62 by Lauren Roberts. Uh, we had a couple 63s during the NCAA. Uh, the 63 is hands down the course record. Um, when we when we had the the senior open, it was set up not very long. Yeah, the greens weren't very fast. Yeah, compared to the NCAA, we got some rain. Yep, um, got some wind, and the greens were the greens were rocking for that. So. Uh, a 63 from the tips at Prairie Dunes is... It just doesn't seem like it's out there, right? A um, couple things there. One, on that note, I followed Quade Cummins, University of Oklahoma, in the final round of the 2020 Big 12s when he, I think, was tied for a low round of the day, 66, 65, something like that. And I thought that was the, by far, not even close, the greatest round of golf that I had witnessed in person. And uh, to hear that somebody went two or three lower than that is uh, pretty impressive. I, I want to go back to the Curtis Cup, though, and, sp- and high-level women's golf. It, it just struck me when you were talking about that, that high-level ladies' golf might even be more interesting at PD because you know us guys, especially those elite amateurs and, and certainly professionals, hit it a lot further and yet also hit it a lot more wayward. And so there's a lot more unfortunate having to hack it out of that gunch or use the yucca rule or whatever that looks like with the ladies hitting it down the fairway. Every time you get to more regularly see the second shot, you know, as it was intended to be played. Anything to that? Have you noticed that with your high level ladies out here that man, they really seem to maybe have even more fun than the guys. Cause they're not always rooting around in the, in the bushes. Yeah. And I think a, a little bit of the difference is, but the higher swing speeds, you know, hitting it much higher, I think, I don't think this course was designed for the moon ball coming into the green. You know, yeah. the way it's laid out, it's it's um, designed to kind of run it up. I I went around the course with Tom Watson before the Senior Open, and I, I said the word links or something. And he goes, "This isn't a links course." You know, I go, oh, "Okay." He goes, "With links course, a lot of the greens are below the surface of the fairway." It's kind of interesting, you know, because I always thought of it as a, as a link style course. Sure. You know, there, there are a lot of places you can run it up, but if you look at it, the greens do tend to be just a little bit elevated. Yeah, yeah. Everywhere. Well, and again, drainage, drainage, drainage. Most of that is because Mr. Maxwell and then press after him needed those greens to be raised up a little bit because unlike um, in Scotland and Ireland where drainage is not an issue, it just, the, the water just goes right down, uh, you, had to, you had to elevate them a little bit more. Good stuff. Very interesting, like Curtis Cup. When, is there another, do we have in the future a women's event coming? Uh, we do. We, we're also, um, we're, we're and about, is that public knowledge? It's, it's not. Okay. <laughs> so, there, there are a couple of things, uh, uh, coming. Okay. So well, stay, I mean, uh, stay tuned. Uh, send me a save the date whenever that, uh, whenever that comes through. Well, one thing that we know is on the calendar and is coming up and is public knowledge is this year's big 12 men's golf championship. So I have a couple questions here. I can tell you, we are stoked uh, to come back up. Our guy, Wade Lessert member here at Prairie Dunes hosting us, uh, going to stay on site. Can't wait for just the overall experience, but getting in behind some of these, Big 12 golfers, which are about as close to following a professional as you can get, certainly in the atmosphere that a Big 12 championship college tournament provides, no ropes, etc. I guess what can participants and attendees kind of expect in terms of uh, course setup, maybe in the time of the year that that's held? Yeah, um, it's, it's typically very windy, you know, end of April, 
you, you can't really put the put the greens and the and the pins as as tough as you would um, if it was a little bit different time of year. I think um, isn't a lot of rough yet. By then, the native is is starting to fill in. I mean, the course will be the course will be perfect. Um, the greens will be rolling. It just you, with that kind of wind, you can't get them to the speed that that these guys are probably used to playing at, yep. at some of the places, but you just, you gotta, you gotta keep the golf course playable. We had, uh, I think it was t- two times ago that it was scheduled for 36 and we only got 18 in because of the wind. Right. Yeah. Literally balls just can't want to stay on the green. Yep. Yeah. That's interesting. Very interesting. It's, it's a great event though. Like when we had the NCAA here, I mean, just seeing those kids and, and how good they actually are. And, and for this event in particular, I mean, you can get right up next to the tee box. Yeah. And uh, I was standing on 15, and uh, Gary Woodland was, it's called the shoot because it has some overhanging branches. And and the Coach Randall goes, what, what are you thinking, Gary? And he goes, oh, I'm trying to think if I can keep an eight iron under, the, under these branches. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. That's a problem that most of us uh, don't, don't have to. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just awesome to, to get up close and, and I mean, see the Ricky Fowlers and, uh, you know, all the guys that have that have come through the Big 12. Yeah, well, people rave about it, and that's a great segue um, in terms of getting alongside guys when they're here playing. Are Is there a player or two this year that you're kind of especially excited about uh, getting alongside or uh, getting to follow for a few holes? Um, I, I, I think having a lot of the, the locals, you know, being mostly – kansas or kansas state fans sure um it's always kind of neat to see the kids you know yell rock chalk or oh whatever. yeah um I, I just i think uh seeing who who's ready to tame the course yeah i can tell you that there's a there's a couple guys that are probably uh, not too far from turning professional uh, after the completion of the ncaa year that uh guy down at texas tech by the name of ludwig is somebody i think we're uh going to be walking around in his shadow quite a bit and then obviously being Oklahoma guys uh the state schools uh we always like following around and um doing a little bit of non-biased cheering of course we're, we're big J journalists on this podcast right so we can't be too biased well talk club events man I know that members uh some members love to hear their name uh, on podcast some for the right wrong reasons maybe not like to hear their name but uh obviously a big member guest uh club championship each year kind of give us some uh, current title holders uh from that perspective yep so our our club champ is a two-time uh two-time champ uh Garrett Logan we we do have uh, a longtime member that that won I want to say seven club championships. Oh wow! Name is Rusty Hills, having some little bit of health problems, so everyone's everyone's pulling for him. Oh really? Yeah, shout out to Rusty, man. He's uh, I heard him on a podcast with uh, I think it was the his Golf Historians or mm-hmm. something like that. Awesome, awesome dude. Just listen to him unpack uh, the history. So sad, uh, sad to hear he's going through some health health challenges. Yeah. Um, yeah. Member guest is, is always a huge event every year. It's, it's as much a social event and party, yeah. party as it is the golf. It's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. And then you already mentioned inner club and that's one of the finest inner clubs in the, in the whole country. Talk a little bit more about that squaring off against Southern Hills and colonial is there over the past several years, has there been uh, one, one club kind of taking it on the chin more than others? You know, uh, the, the home team usually has the advantage sure. there. Just, all three golf courses are completely different. It just always seems like the home team has a little bit of an advantage yeah. in that. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And certainly, 
certainly around here, there are spots where you know the opponent doesn't realize that you can't hit it over there, even though it looks like you can, and we're going to let him or her do that, and we'll be over here on the correct spot. Back left on two when the pin is in the right. Um, if they didn't bring their wedge, they, they need to go get it. <laughs> and number two is one of the greatest golf holes on the planet. All right, well, let's get into what I'm going to call some superlatives, right? Just kind of quick hitting, first thing that comes to your mind um, about about Prairie Dunes. What What is your, and again, this is great that these are just the world according to John, right? You know, opinions don't get editorialized. That's that's the beautiful part about opinions. What is your favorite club tradition? Favorite club tradition is um, the gunch punch. The gunch punch. <laughs> I... Um, you know, my mom listens to this, so I I can't say if I have or had not had the gunch punch. It's it it's not what it sounds like, which is a title fight in the backyard. Uh, explain gunch punch to it's, folks. It's a our version of a frozen club special. Okay, which is awesome that the club special. You know, you're officially in North Oklahoma when a uh, club in Kansas has the club special because you get literally much outside Oklahoma and they look at you like you've asked them for a uranium or something. All right. Next question. What is the hole that at Prairie Dunes that gets what we will call the most um, critiques, if not complaints? Most critiques, if not complaints, I would probably say hole 11. Okay. Just because, um, I mean, it, it's, it's a long hole. It's a very difficult second shot. You know, I, I, I would say that or, or uh, number two. Just because, um, you know, you have to be careful where you put the pin there. Yep. You have to be careful of the wind, the speed, everything like that. I'm, it's it's 155 yards, and it's, you know, they call it here the shortest par five on the course. I, I, would, I would probably say two, two or 11 just because of uh, two with – with the uh, pin positions and, and 11 with just the difficulty of the hole. Yeah. All, uh, probably also 12, the the branch on 12. Um, kind of the overhanging on the second shot, you know, 80, 90 yards out kind of thing. Yeah. It almost forces you to play a shot that you don't want to play, kind of a low shot when you want to get it up from 80, 90 yards. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. I, I, I got to believe one of the answers to this is Kelly McCune, but member at the club who is always looking for a game. Always a fun question to answer from the head pro. You know, it's like who, who do I who do I call out here that likes to be called out, but I can have fun with. This is normally where we land on this one. I'll go with Kelly. That's that's a good one. Yeah, he he was certainly the first person that came to mind. I, I mean, I only know a dozen or so members here, so I have a limited sample size. But he was certainly the first one that came to mind. Yep, Kelly or or maybe Greg Boxer. Oh, Boxer, another OKC. All these OKC guys like to hand out money. Apparently, is what I'm hearing. Jeez, Louise. Uh, okay, well, I, this has to be the hardest question and one that again sometimes pros and certainly superintendents are apt to uh to defer on but your favorite hole at prairie dunes favorite hole at prairie dunes is number six number six wow okay a great hole i mean it, it they're all great holes talk us through number six for those who haven't been here the original number three um relatively short par four certainly not easy yeah, I, I just it, it it's laid out there right in front of you, and you're hitting a, a wedge or sand wedge in there, and and people think it's it's a birdie hole every time, but I tell you, the the contours on that green, in my opinion, the best on the course. It's they're subtle, the back right, the front left. I mean, it's the front right, 
in, in back left. I mean, all, everywhere they put the pin is just, it's, the, the putt doesn't break the way you think it does. So I just, I think it's a short hole. It tells you where, where he wants you to hit it. And that just, it fits my eye. Yeah. Well, as those who are coming up for the Big 12s uh, or happen to find themselves as an honored guest to come play here, just as soon as you pull in to the gates, uh, look immediately to the left, and you'll see the number two that we're talking about and uh, number six as well, just there to the left off the main gate. All right, well, good jobs on superlatives. Uh, you mentioning the setup of the course and depending on where they put the pin, et cetera, Talk a little bit about Corey. I mean, Corey Grease, an awesome head superintendent. I feel like the supers don't get near the love they should from the golf community. Uh, they are the first ones to kind of get some get some blame and the last ones to get some credit. So talk a little bit about Corey. Yeah, um, a lot of credit to Corey, uh, what he's done the last couple of years, some of the ideas that, that he has. He started out here as an assistant. He, he moved here from, from Nebraska and then went from here to Bally Neal, and, and it was time for us to – to hire a, a superintendent to replace Jim, and we knew who the guy was. It, it was Corey. He loves he loves Prairie Dunes, and and he understands the golf course more than than anything. Um, you know, being kind of in the transition zone with between oh yeah, cool season, warm season, and and us having a cool season grass year round. He knows how to how to baby that, and with what he's doing, firming it up. I think what's really cool that he did in the last year is take a lot of the cart paths that were greenside and route them out into the native. Yep. Not only aesthetically looks better, but playability wise, it's made a huge difference. I love it. Um, he did some this this winter that you'll be you'll be surprised with. Oh um, man, I'm ready to see that. There's... Especially on the back nine, they are fantastic. And I love it that he's doing that and that the membership. Uh, theoretically is embracing that um a good friend down at boiling springs not not too terribly far away from here that's doing a lot of that too to you know aesthetically make it look better but also the playability is huge and uh, it's a lot of a lot of hard work so shout out to Corey on that well in the intro uh with our good friend mr nance and uh you alluded to it as well perry maxwell famously saying there's 118 holes out here you know all i got to do is eliminate 100 begs the question and again, no state secrets, I understand. Is there a future of Prairie Dunes with more golf holes? Possibly. Possibly. Oh, I love, I love it, the tees. I love the tees. Be, we have a couple big projects going on right now. Um, redoing the irrigation this year, uh, building another lodge. So a uh, couple of big projects this year we need to get through. And then, you know, there, there is some talk about someday of having a, a par three course. Okay. And uh, there has been a designer out that's, that's looked at it and said it's as good a piece of our three land as he's seen love it planet so um yeah just just need to to get our ducks in a row there and and uh see if that doesn't happen it's awesome that's awesome well i know that you're up against staff meeting i have four more super fast questions for you we call it the short par four because we are huge fans of a short par four on this podcast there are multiple great short par fours at least they're even short uh, shortish from by my standards which i'm a short knocker you know sometimes a short par four for me is just called a par three but uh short par four i'm going to tee you up here and i want you to tell me in just a few words about your personal last round of golf personal last round of golf was at seminole whoa 
I know. I made the mistake with the OU women's coach last week of assuming that the Seminole that they were playing at was the Seminole, and it wasn't. Are we talking about the Seminole, the Ross Seminole, Ben Hogan hangout Seminole? Took some members down there, um, played Grove 23, which was a really cool place. Um, Michael Jordan was there and couldn't have been nicer. Uh, played Die Preserve, and then our, our third day there, we played uh, Seminole. Man, love it. It's hard. You bring back any merch? I know you can't wear it got, got my around son. here. Got but, my son some stuff. Okay, uh, yeah, you, you can wear it at home. Man, that's tough to talk, man. We're gonna we're gonna go with uh, we're gonna go with question number two, which is the second shot in on the short par four. Tell us about the golfer out on we'll call it tour, and there's a lot of tours out there these days that you find yourself wanting wanting to root against. Rory. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> Did not expect that answer. I, I sorry. I said these are fast hitting, but you got you have to unpack that one. Uh, I I just. The, the whining lately. Oh, wow. I, I, now, we are talking about McElroy, not Sabatini, right? Yeah. <laughs> Roy McElroy. That's a first. We've asked that question a lot, and Roy McElroy has not been the answer. So I'm a Roy fan, so I'm going to leave it at that. You know, I want to end this podcast on a good note. Birdie putt here on the short par four. Maybe the answer has already been spoken in a previous answer. You only have one round of golf left in your life to play. Where are you going to play it with the caveat that you do have to have previously played the course? Riviera. Riv. Man, this is like a murderer's row of golf course mentioned on I this mean, podcast. Prairie Dunes would, would be my number one, but um, Riviera is right up there for me. Riviera, man. I uh, It's always top on the list of, of golf viewing. There's not many courses that view well, if that makes sense, and, and Riv is one of them. It's it's every club in your bag. It's I play a tournament there every year. They call it the pro member where they invite invite pros from all over and it just you hit every shot, you hit every club in the bag. It's uh part three with a bunker in it that you're just <laughs> avoiding. <laughs> Number six. Um you know, eighteen is T V does not do that hole justice. Yeah. How hard that hole is. Iconic. Yeah. So and it's got the short drivable par four number ten, which is, which is a blast. Love it, great answer. I know our man Justin Hoppick will be uh, be happy about that answer. All right. Unfortunately, you didn't birdie. We're tapping in for par on the short four. We're gonna make a movie about the golf life of John Lanham. What famous golfer is going to play you in the movie? I. I I got nothing. You got nothing. You got nothing. This is where I'll have to dub in, you know, one of the boys from, from Prairie Dunes to answer this question for yeah. you. You don't want you don't want to do that. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with Brian Doyle Murray. Brian Doyle Murray. He was he was uh, the caddy and uh, caddy master and caddy shack. He's yep. not he's not a tour player, but um, he's a member here, awesome guy. He would I think he'd do a good job. Love it, man. Pick up that blood. How many times does he have to recite that line out here? I love it. Man, John, this was a blast. Really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, again, I know you're up against staff meeting. Uh, Prairie Dunes is a special place to a lot of people and has been for coming up on 100 years. And uh, wish you well with the Big 12s and with another great playing season. Awesome. Folks, again, another in the Miles of Maxwell podcast series brought to you by the book Miles of Maxwell by Colton Craig that will be released later this year. Until next time, get out there and enjoy the walk. Mm -hmm.